In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, and we are continuing in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. We're right in the middle of that passage where Jesus is sending out the uh, disciples, right? Disciple is the learner, the one who learns how to do, and, uh, and so they are learning how to do the work of the Father. An apostle means the one who is sent, and so they are being sent out to do what they have learned how to do. And in the the summary of this portion that we read this morning, uh, Jesus gives this uh, kind of an aphorism. He says, um, when you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. And that acknowledgement, we have to understand to mean about the whole integrated person, right? We have to remind ourselves of this, unfortunately, because of uh, the Enlightenment and many Enlightenment thinkers that like to divide us up and uh, talk about a public self and a private self and talk about what we think versus what we do. But we know that we are integrated wholes and that to have integrity, uh, we have to do what we say and say what we do. We have to think Uh, and have our thoughts aligned with our hearts and our hearts aligned with our speech and our speech aligned with our walk, what it is that we do. And so all that we do and say has to be an acknowledgement of God, giving Him the praise, giving Him the glory, and seeking Him in all that we do and say. And when we do that, we are plugged into the grace of God and to the Holy Spirit The truth of it is, though, that sometimes we wish we weren't. Jeremiah wishes that he wasn't plugged in to the grace of God in this moment in prison. Jeremiah the prophet, you'll remember, is uh, living at the time of the Babylonian siege. You'll remember that uh, this had been coming for a long time. There had been the civil war in about 1000 BC. And there had been strife between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel by this time has already been subsumed by this northern kingdom of Assyria. And the Assyrians were now threatening Judah. But it was far worse than that. Not only was the southern kingdom of Judah being threatened by the northern Assyrians, but by the southern Egyptians and by those in the east, by the Babylonians. And so now there are three great uh, enemies, these three great uh, powers, world powers, who are squeezing Judah and uh, the, the kings and the counselors of Judah are trying to make political deals. They're trying to form treaties, and they're trying to play one against the other. And the Lord tells the people of Judah, through Jeremiah and other prophets, stop it. He says, you are going to be um, taken by the Babylonians, and this is the consequence of your sin. But if you submit to me in holiness and you trust in me, I will bring you through this difficult time. But there's nothing that you can do to keep from this difficulty. You're going to suffer the consequences of these sins. And this is the message that Jeremiah gives to the political elite, the king of Judah. And of course, this is what? The last thing they want to hear. Right? The last thing people want to hear is God loves you. And you're going to suffer the consequences of your sins. Right? We want to hear God loves you and everything's going to be great and no consequences for you. This is not what the Lord says. This is not what scripture teaches at all. There are consequences to sin. And Jeremiah, when he says this to the king, is deemed a traitor. 
right? Because a good, loyal subject is going to say, everything's going to work out, everything's going to be great, we're the good guys, God loves us, we're going to win. And this is exactly the opposite of what Jeremiah says. This passage that we're reading from Jeremiah, chapter 20, is just after Jeremiah had been brought out of prison, and he'd been brought face to face with the head priest who had thrown him into jail. And Jeremiah, as he tells us, can't help himself. And he says, the Lord has renamed you immigrant. Your new name is immigrant because you are going to forcibly immigrate from Judah into Babylon. And the priest says, I was ready to give you some grace and leeway, but now you're calling me names. And now you're going into jail for sure. And Jeremiah speaks at this point and he says... Um, everyone mocks me. He says, the word of God has become for me a reproach and a derision. And he says, I don't want to speak anymore. He says, every time I speak, I cry out and shout violence and destruction. He's saying, every time I open my mouth, this is what I say. And I'd rather just keep my mouth shut. It's getting me into trouble and suffering. And this is often where we find ourselves when we are obedient to the Lord. Have you noticed now we've talked about suffering and consequence in two different ways? There's suffering and consequence for doing what's right, and there's suffering and consequence for doing what's wrong. Have you noticed that in this passage? Guess what? This is the truth of Scripture. There will be suffering no matter what. That's life. The enemy would tell us that we can get away with it. The enemy would tell us there's some way to get out of it. The enemy would tell us if you just do a little bit of this and you just do a little bit of that, you're going to be able to get out of it. You're going to be able to live forever. Everything's going to be great. It's all going to be happiness and roses. And that is not the truth and the reality of this life. And Jeremiah faces that reality and he says, I really wish... I could keep my mouth shut. And then he recognizes within himself, all this dialogue is taking place now in the inner life of Jeremiah. This is not a dialogue. This is not him talking to somebody else. This is all within his own heart. Right? He is, he, he is um, reflecting upon his life. And he is, he's active in this, in this amazing inner life. And he says, I, I don't want to speak. And yet, the words of God are in me like a burning fire. And I can't help myself but to speak. He says, even though I want to, I hear and I see that they're watching he says it's like a burning fire in my bones. And then once he's laid out this desire to keep quiet, right, this temptation of the enemy, this lie that he could get out of this somehow, and the call of God to call the nation of Israel to and Judah to faithfulness to the Lord, he stops and he comes to this incredible realization. And that is, God is with him. Emmanuel. He says, the Lord is with me. In my suffering, in prison, in this struggle, Emmanuel, 
God is with me, and he says he is with me like a dread warrior. And this is where the dialogue turns, the inner discussion turns, and he says, God is with me, and he's a warrior, and the people who have sinned are going to face the consequence of their sins, and my final consequence, when this battle is over, will be that the Lord will be in my heart and in my mind, and that I will finally see justice done, because I've committed myself to his cause, and when he recognizes that, then in the long run he will finally see justice at the end of days, he begins to sing. The Spirit of God speaks out and he says, Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. He sees the end result. He sees how the battle will finally be won out, and he realizes at the end, God wins. His justice is done and established. And this is the confidence with which Jesus sends out the apostles. And he says, you have to go out with this confidence and without any naivete. There's no room for being naive in the Christian life. And that's uh, why we hear so many people preaching and teaching naivete. Because that's another uh, lie of the enemy, right? The first lie is there's somehow that you're going to get out of suffering. No. The question is, will you suffer for doing what's right or suffer from doing what's wrong? The second one is that if you accept the Lord and you come into his life, that you can somehow be um, this kind of naive Pollyanna and just think everything's going to be great and I just get to trust in the Lord and not be aware of any of the danger and just walk through life um, without any acknowledgement of that. And this is exactly, again, the opposite of what Jesus teaches them. He says, I'm sending you out as a sheep. Uh-oh. Right? A sheep. Sheep are defenseless. He says, I'm sending you out defenseless among wolves. Right? You're going out and you're going to be in danger, in grave danger. And he says, when you go out, you're going to be wise as serpents. In other words, you're going to be a sheep in danger, but you're going to know it. You're going to be aware of it. You're not going to fall into it through foolhardiness. Yes, there's going to be danger, but you're not going to go into it because you are ignorant. You're not going to fall into it because you are foolish. You're not going to fall into it because you are blind or you have deceived yourself. Right? There's going to be danger in the world, but we're not going to fall into it because of, of some ignorance or naivete. It's going to be because we're proclaiming the word of God and standing by his truth and up for justice. And he says, when we do that, then we are going to be as innocent as doves. In other words, when we come up against that danger and people persecute us, we're going to maintain our, our innocence. The world says, now you have the right to fight back. Right? This is what the world says. Somebody pushes you, now you've got the right to push them. That's sin. We don't push people. We don't call them names. No matter how many names they call us, we don't call them names back. That makes us robots in which the enemy is in control of us. The enemy says, all I've got to do is call your name, push you around a little bit, insult you, make you angry, and then you're mine. This is what Jeremiah was fighting against. This is what we're fighting against because we will maintain our innocence. 
We won't be pushed into ignorance or to deceit or to lies or to violence or destruction. We'll maintain the virtue of God. And we will bear witnesses. And then he says, don't be anxious. Which, when you read that, you should say, well, that's easy, right, to say. Right? Don't be anxious. But when we know that we're going to be faced with this kind of danger, how difficult is that? How difficult is that to endure and to be like our teacher? And as he says again, to have no fear. The first way is just in the way that Jeremiah has done. He says, here are my options. I can fear Satan or I can fear God. And Jesus says, clearly, you need to fear God. Because he's the one that judges the soul. Satan has no power over you. He has no power over your soul. You're completely in the hands of God. Which should be its own kind of fear. But he is a loving God who is just. And if we're faithful to him, and we're obedient to him, then we know that he will gather us to him. And we know that when we acknowledge Him, He will acknowledge us. Now when we read that, sometimes we think, well, this is some kind of a contract, right? Okay, if you do this, then I'll do that. Which is maybe not the best way to think of this. Maybe we should think of it a little bit more as a law. The great um, early 20th century um, healer, Agnes Sanford, who was a clergy wife in Southern California in the 20s and 30s, talked about um, healing in a very simple way. She says, if we're uh, wanting a, a lamp to turn on, we flip the switch and it doesn't turn on, we don't lay hands over it and say, Lord, please make this lamp turn on. We look to see if it's plugged into the wall. And we plug it in. And this is how healing works and how the power of God works in our life. Are you plugged in? If you're acknowledging God and giving Him glory and depending on Him and listening for His voice, then that glory, that grace flows through us. If we're not giving Him glory, if we're not acknowledging Him, if we're not giving Him um, His praise, if we're not turning to Him, then we're not plugged in. And grace does not flow through us. That isn't a quid pro quo contract. That's simply a law. Either you're plugged in or you're not. And St. Paul is saying, we need to be plugged in. He says, we were first unplugged by Adam. Right? Adam's first sin unplugged us from the power of God. We said, yeah, I've heard what you say. It's really great. Very nice and all. But I can do it myself. Don't worry about it. I'll take the apple. I'll do my thing. I think I'm going to be pretty good at it. And so we unplug the lamp. And we say, I'll create my own power. I've got my own ideas. I'll give myself a little bit of that glory that I've been giving to you. And St. Paul says we need to be plugged back into the grace of God, the glory of God. We need to receive His glory. And when we receive His grace, we receive that grace, that power, in order to be what? Obedient. Obedient, faithful, loyal to God. And in that loyalty, in that fidelity, we are plugged into the grace and mercy of God, which is transformative power and grace in our lives. 
But we have to stop. And we have to acknowledge, like Jeremiah, this is really hard. If we don't do that, if we don't face the difficulty of what it is that we're being called to do, if we're not honest about how hard and how scary it is, we will not finally come to the end of ourselves. But when we acknowledge how scary it is, we will come to the end of ourselves and we will wait upon the Lord who is a dread warrior fighting for us in a battle that he has already won. May we be plugged into his grace and to his mercy and to his love. And may we acknowledge it in all that we do and all that we say.